for a morning podcast. If you don't know me, my name is Millie Siswe. I have the pleasure of bringing us God's word this morning. And if this is your first time joining us, uh, we've been going through the book of First John for about two months now. And we've aptly named the series Love and Light because this is what John focuses and speaks on so much in the book. Um, when I was preparing the sermon, one thing really clicked in my mind when I was reading through the book and reading through um, chapter 5, which is what we're going through today, is that the way John speaks is exactly my how my wife speaks to me. You know, so I tend to, when I explain things, I just wind it out and talk and talk and talk. But my wife, the way she explains things to me is that she will go around in circles. So she will She'll explain one thing in four different ways. And that was like, wow, that's exactly how John explains and says his word this morning. You know? So when he speaks about how God is light, every time he makes a revolution, he clicks on something, he touches on something, and emphasizing how he is light and how we are supposed to be light and not walk in the darkness. Or when he speaks about how God is love, he speaks on God is love and how we are to love the way that God loves. So our sermons for the past three months can feel like they are repetition. And if you feel that way, you rightly ought to feel that way because it sounds similar because it is very similar and very familiar. So today we'll be speaking on the assurance of faith. So if you want to click, tap, or open your Bible on 1 John chapter 5. We read, I'll be reading from the ESV version. Verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you in knowing that your word is living and breathing. That it cuts through bone and marrow. But Father, this morning as I just speak over your word, Father, give me a spirit of humility. Humility knowing that this is your word, that your people are here to hear your word. Father, open up our hearts to be able to receive your word, that we may be able to think over it and apply it in our lives. Lord, give me clarity of speech today. May I not speak out of fear, but of speak out of power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So growing up, I, I had two sisters, and, and they used to harass me the whole time. They would play games on me. They would put tricks. Uh, I remember one time my sister gave me uh, chocolate, which is actually a laxative, which is called booklax, if some of y'all know it. Horrible concept. Chocolate, laxative, I don't know who came up with that. And one of the other tricks that my sisters used to do that would make me believe that we did not share the same parents. So my sister, so we have uh, a nine and six year age gap. 
And I'm the only male in the family, I'm the youngest, so that just made things very worse. And so my second sister, she used to say these comments like, oh yeah, we picked you up at the hospital. We don't know where you come from, but ah, here you are. And my second sister, how she used to play tricks with me, she used to say, uh, your mother is calling you, or that my mom gave me this, your mom said this. So I can imagine like five-year-old me going, great, what does she mean, my mother? What does she mean, her mother? Do we not share the same mom? Um, is the helper that we have my mom? I would just go screaming to my mom, Mom, Tuni and Bali say that you are not my mom. And what my mom used to do, she would just embrace me in her arms and be like, that's nonsense. You are my child, you know. I gave birth to you. You and I share similar things. And when I look at you, we have the same teeth, we have the same big mouth, big nose. You can't see that now. Uh, but we share similar things. Like these markers can see that she's a manana, I'm a manana. And therefore, we are in commonality, that we are one family. And that these things that my mom pointed out would give me assurance until the next barrage of harassment that my sisters would bring up to me. But this morning, John is like my mom. He wants to assure us of our faith. He wants you to know that you are in God's family, that you are part of him. So with that, if you could just focus your eyes again on John, uh, 1 John 5, with the verse, verse saying, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And how the apostle in this chapter, in this verse, how he wants to bring us assurance of our faith is that he wants to speak on uh, three distinctive markers that a person can know that they are saved, which are faith, love, and obedience. And he's been speaking on this throughout the book of 1 John, where he speaks on faith, what it means to be in Christ, when he speaks on love, what it means to love the way that God loves, when he speaks on commandments, that we are to walk the same way that Jesus walked. And in this morning, and in this chapter, he takes all of these three elements and puts them together. But how are we to know that we are in Christ? How are we to know that we are born again? And John really touches on this throughout the book. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, And this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. In chapter 2, verse 21, he says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lies of the truth. In chapter 3, verse 16, he says, By this we know love. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. In chapter 4, verse 13, he says, By this we know that we abide in him and in him, because he has given us of his spirit. In chapter 5, verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. In chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants you to know that you are in Christ. John speaks of the assurance of faith. 
He wants you to know where you stand with God. And in these ways, I've broken um, chapter 5 in three titles. If you are a note taker, you can write down these headings that it's faith, love, and obedience. And I want to say right off the bat that these three elements are not how to build your way to heaven in three easy steps. Because that would be trying to earn your way to God, how to earn your way to heaven and to relationship with him. And that is so against the gospel. Because in Paul, when Paul writes in Ephesians 2, uh, from verse 1 to verse 9, he says, We are all born dead in our sins and our trespasses. And it is impossible for us to earn our way to God. But then he gives us good news. In verse 8, he says, But by grace which is an undeserving gift that you and I get through faith, we are made right with God. So it is clear that nobody can earn their salvation. Nobody can earn their way to God because we are all born dead. But in Christ, we have new life. In him, we are born again. As John says, we are born of God. So if you're born of God, you're going to exemplify distinctive markers. How are you going to show that you are of God? Sorry, Doug, I have to bring it up. Um, so in preparing the sermon, I spoke with Doug this, this week, and I was like, oh, yeah, me and, me and my daughter, Karis, we share the same birthmark. So it led me to imagine, like, Doug in the labor room when Karis was just born. You know where they place the babies, they put them in that room. Um, and he was, so I'm imagining in my mind, oh, he's, he's searching for his daughter, and he's like, oh, okay, um, ah, name tag, Karis Fowl, okay, this is my daughter. But you know, nurses sometimes they make mistakes, they spot babies. Don't worry, kids. <laughs> you know how, yeah, because they spot babies, he had to make sure. So he was looking for signs on her body, like, oh, okay, um, and then he looked at her arm, was like, ah, same birthmark, same as me. Nurse, this one is mine. You know, so God is the same way. God wants you to know the markers of faith. These dis distinctive things that you will know that you are in the faith, these signs that you are in the faith, which are faith, obedience, and love. So with the first, the first marker of faith that brings us assurance is faith. Again, John says in verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's a very easy statement to take in. I mean, everybody who, who listens to a sermon or comes through the building of a church is a Christian, right? Well, as I was reading this week, according to Stats SA, uh, you know when you fill in uh, a form and it asks you your religious affiliation, if you're Christian, you're Buddhist, or what sort? The stats of South Africa say that 80% of adults profess Christianity. 80% of people say that Jesus is their Lord and that they follow him. But if you look at our country, that is far from the truth. That is not the reality. With religious syncretism, which is taking Christianity and mixing it with something else, like African traditional religion or reading horoscopes or palm readings, with nominalism, where people live like God exists only on Sunday, but, each, but every other day we live like he doesn't exist, 
with those sorts of factors, that stat cannot be true. That 80% of South Africans are Christians. You know why this is a fact? Because the Apostle James says in James chapter 2, verse 9, you believe that God is one. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. True belief is in your heart, which translates to you placing allegiance in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord over your life and your heart. As Lord over your life, you trust him, you confide in him, you obey him, you rely on him for everything, and this is evident in how you live your life. Belief isn't just intellectual assent, but it shows up in your actions. Let's say I build a chair in my computer skills, and I'm like, oh, sorry, Pete. I'm like, oh, Pete, can you, can you test my skills? And Pete's like, nah, man, I, I, I believe you. Like, no, but sit, sit in the chair so I can know your skills. He's like, nah, I know the physics. It looks sturdy. I'd be like, buddy, sit in the chair so that I know that your belief is genuine. And that's the same thought that John comes in here when he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, it always shows up in your actions. It always shows up in how you live. And the famous author, Charles Spurgeon, said this once in his sermons. Look at any Greek lexicon, which is a dictionary, and you will find that the word faith or believe does not merely mean to believe, but to trust, to confide in, to commit, to entrust with, and so forth. The marrow of the meaning of faith is confidence in and reliance upon. That faith will always show up in your actions. That belief will always show up in how you live your life. Because God is the same. How do we know that God is love? Well, he sent his, his only son to die for us on the cross. God demonstrates his love. So he calls us to demonstrate our faith in him. Well, you may also say that nobody is perfect. And then this doesn't lead us to religious perfectionism. For John writes in chapter 1, verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. So perfectionism is wiped out. God is not calling us to be faithful. I mean, God is not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to believe in him. And from time to time, we will stumble. We will doubt. We will be like how Peter denied Jesus and stumbled. But we know that Peter persevered in his faith when we read of his letters in 2 Peter. And this is how he opens it up. He says, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. We see here that Peter persevered through his faith. He persevered through his belief in Jesus Christ, even in moments of doubt, even in moments of stumbling. So you and I will also stumble. You and I will also doubt God from time to time. But how you know that you are a Christian is that your faith perseveres, is that you believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord. 
that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is fully God and fully man in the flesh, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior, that he is your Lord, and that he doesn't have just a piece of your life, he has all of your life, that this will always show up in your actions, that your belief must be evident. And this is one of the markers of faith. This is one of the birthmarks that a Christian will have, that they continue to believe in Jesus Christ. The second marker of assurance of faith is love. As John says in First um, John 5 and the rest of chapter 1, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. How do you know you love God's children? When you love and obey God. Well, John here kind of flips the argument from chapter 4, verse 20 to 21, where he said, this is how you know that you love the Father, when you love his children. But here he says, this is how you know that you love his children, when you love the Father and you follow his commandments. He shows us here that these are two sides of the same coin, that you cannot do the one without doing the other. That a love for God is always held with a love for your neighbor. I can't say I fully love and care and accept Doug if I don't have the same attitude towards these kids. I can't be like, yeah, I like you, Doug, but oof, I can't stand you little munchkins. That will grossly uh, affect Doug and it will bring into question if I really and truly love him if I don't have the same love for his children. So then why do we not have the same heart posture and approach to God's children? How are we to say that we love God, but we do not love those who are made in his image? H.B. Charles puts it aptly in saying, the church is held together by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is why I can't be a true Christian and say I love Jesus, but I can't stand his church. Because if I'm saved, the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit in me is not going to tell you not to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit in me. If the Holy Spirit is in us, he will cause us to love one another. That the Jesus in me will love the Jesus in you. When the lawyer got up to test Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 33, 34 to 36, asking him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And he says, The second one is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're like me, you've heard this so many times and read it so many times that you've skipped over what Jesus actually says. He says that how you love your neighbor and that this commandment to love your neighbor is like the first commandment. That Jesus calls us to love him with everything in us, with our heart, with our strength, with our mind. And we are to love our neighbors the same way, with everything in us, with how you think for and how you think about your neighbor, how you speak about your neighbor and how you speak for your neighbor. 
than how you even serve your neighbor. This is what it means to love, to love with everything. And you might say, and you might say, Meli, nah, not everybody loves their neighbor as they should. Not everybody loves God as we should. And you might be true. There's some truth in that objection. But what your objection cannot mean is that you have no love for God, that you have no love for your neighbor. Because that would mean you do not love the same way that God loves. Because love will naturally come out when you have been born of God. That you are being shaped in Jesus' likeness. That love is always a consequent, a fruit. Friends, you will see people the way Jesus sees you and I. Imperfect making mistakes, sinful. But Jesus' own love and glory propels him to love you and I, imperfect people. And it is the same love that compels you and I to love one another, to love people that are made in God's image. Tony Evans summarizes it like this. Loving God is passionately and righteously pursuing his glory and advancement of his kingdom. Loving people is compassionately and righteously seeking the well-being of another. Friends, true Christians are marked by a love for another. And the third marker of reassuring us that we are in the faith is obedience. How do you know that you are walking in love? John answers this for us in verse 2. By this we know that we love God's children. For this is the love of... Oh, sorry, let me read it again. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Growing up, I used to have a church friend... Uh, he used to carry like a thick Bible, you know those study Bible, like a thick study Bible that has like maps, like a concordance, but his was actually just a Bible with like very large fonts because he struggled with his eyes. But his Bible, I remember like on the spine of it, it was, it was written Bible like an acronym. And the acronym said, basic instructions before leaving earth. And I used to think, wow, this guy's really righteous, eh? Um, But now thinking about it, that is the wrong view as to how we ought to think about God and his commandments. That they are basic instructions before leaving earth. That is such a crushing weight because if you miss one or if you break one commandment, it's kaput. You're done. That if you thought that if you obey all of God's commandments, that a voice from heaven will come saying, ah, Here's your ticket to heaven, but ooh, you lied. Ah, ticket revoked. That this sort of view that we can earn our way to God's love, earn our way to relationship with the Lord by keeping all his commandments is a crushing weight that nobody should have. And I know that for any relationship to actually thrive, there has to be rules. There has to be rules and regulations. But there is no sense of love and trust 
if my acceptance is contingent upon following those rules and regulations. That God isn't like this. And we see it time and time again in the Bible. Like when he saved Israel from slavery in Egypt, he first showed his love and grace by taking them out of Egypt and said, I will be your God, you will be my people. And only after that did he give the law. Only after that did he give his commandments so that his people may know how to relate to their God and relate to each other. As Doug kind of expressed last week in his preaching that in chapter 4, that God is love. So everything he does is an extension of his love. He does everything from his love. So if we know that God is love, we know that his commandments that he is given is a reflection of his character. Because he is holy, because he is love. His commandments are holy. His commandments express his love. And how we are to love him and have the love of God in us is to follow his commandments. Therefore, his commandments are not burdensome. Because this is how we know that we love God's children. By loving God and obeying his commandments. Like any other household, I grew up in a house with rules and regulations I had a 6 p.m. curfew, which was until I was 18, very unfair. But <laughs> I followed, I followed uh, that curfew because I knew that my parents had the best in mind for me. Even when I rebelled and I broke um, the commandments that my parents gave me, I still knew that they loved me. Even when I knew it didn't make sense, like having a 6 p.m. curfew when I was 18. So, you may be going through something that is dark, confusing, not knowing what's happening in your life. But you should have confidence in knowing that God, the Father, is a better parent than any of our parents could ever hope to be. Not because that He is love, that He cares for us, that we can come in and trust Him. We can come in and know that He has the best for us in mind even when his commandments don't make sense, even when things around us seem to be spiraling out of control, that one thing is secure, that God never changes. God is the same. God is love. Therefore, his commandments are love. That you can trust in God's character, that you can trust him. Therefore, you can trust his commandments. And if he says, this is how you love your brothers and sisters, by following his commandments, we can trust him and take him in his word. John puts the statement in verse 3 that kind of comforts my heart when I am swayed to see the commandments in a bad light. He says, and his commandments are not burdensome. They are not burdensome to those who have been born of God, for they keep it perfectly. Why? Because they have faith in the one who actually kept the commandments perfectly. And that was Jesus. Only he loves God and neighbor perfectly. This is why Jesus in Matthew 23 says, Do not follow the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Because they place a heavy burden on you by keeping the commandments perfectly. 
but even they themselves don't keep the commandments perfectly. Therefore, they, don't, they do not practice what they preach. But then Jesus says these comforting words in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> Jesus practiced what he preached by placing what seems to be the heavy burden on the law on himself so that we can joyfully walk beside him, fully trusting in him and fully relying on him, following his commandments, knowing that Jesus has done it all on the cross, is pure joy for you and I. For we are not accepted by God by following his commandments. Jesus followed his commandments perfectly. Jesus loved his neighbor and as himself. Jesus loved God and followed his will perfectly. He has done it. He has secured our position in Christ. All we have to do is have faith in him and faith in what he's done. And that naturally transforms us to want to walk like the one that we have faith in. That Christ, what he did on the cross in securing our faith, that he overcame the penalty of us breaking the law. He endured the Father's righteous wrath by taking our sin. He conquered sin and death on the cross and defeated Satan by rendering him powerless and not being able to hold our sin over us. That he cannot hold the fear of death on us. He broke the dividing wall of hostility between ethnic lines and races and reconciled people to each other. That Jesus did all of this through his love. Love by obeying the will of the Father and perfectly loving his neighbor by laying his life for us. That the world could not hold Jesus down. That Jesus is an overcomer. And you and I are overcomers in placing our faith in the overcomer. That Jesus is like the mighty warrior who faces the world, Satan, his demons, and death squarely in the face. That he is such a mighty warrior in doing this that you and I are standing behind Christ, not with our chest upright saying, oh, you take the first battle, I take it over from you. But you and I are actually cowering behind Christ because he is a mighty warrior. We are shaking in our boots and trusting in the might of Christ because he has won the victory. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he describes the victory like this. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. This victory led Paul in Philippians 1.21 to say, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. At living, he lived for Christ, and he knew that death was just a pathway to eternity with Christ, because Christ has secured the victory. This is why John says in verse 4, that everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith through Jesus Christ gives you the ability to say no to temptation 
to say no to what Satan throws at you, to say no to what the world throws at you, to say no to the indwelling sin that is in you because your heart has been transformed. For now, you do not live for the world. You do not live for sin, but you live for Christ. This is true of everyone who's been born of God. So today, examine yourselves truthfully to see these evidences of life, that there is an enduring belief in Jesus Christ, a heart posture of love towards God and your neighbor, and a desire to follow his commandments so that you also can confidently say, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it might be hard for us to sometimes hear the truth. The truth that we cannot earn our way to righteousness. Truth that we don't earn our way towards you, to having a relationship with you. For we are prone to want to work for things, to earn for things. But how freeing is it to know that Jesus is the one who has done it all, that Jesus is the one who loved you perfectly and followed your will, that Jesus demonstrates his love by laying his own life for us. That, Lord, looking at these evidences of new life in us, faith in you, love for you and your people, in obedience to your commandments. Help us to not view these ways as to how do we earn our way to you, but as fruit, fruit of having our faith and our position in you secure because of what Christ has done on the cross. Help us to know that we can live confidently, confidently in what your son has done, that he has earned the victory and we joyfully come alongside Christ, following your commandments, knowing that this produces pure joy in us. For you are making us to be like Christ. For you are molding us into his image until the day of glory. Secure our hearts from when we wonder. Bring us back to you. Bring us back to your loving kindness. Bring us back to your word. For your word is a way of life. We pray all this in Jesus' name.